Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fun-packed episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask that difficult question, what's your jam in the jam stack? In this week's episode, we chat with Jason J. Phillips, Director of Engineering at 2U, a boot camp instructor and a media developer expert. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to mention our sponsor, TakeShape. Stick around after the interview to find out more about their content platform or head over to takeshape.io slash that's my jam stack for more information. All right, Jason, thanks for being on the show with us today. Appreciate you, Brian. Glad to be here. Cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Yeah, so um, by day, uh, I am a director of engineering for bootcamp applications at 2U. Uh, we house a lot of boot camps, uh, web development, uh, fintech, UX, and a couple others through extension schools at universities. Um, and so at night, I also teach uh, web development and data visualization boot camps, most recently through the UC Berkeley Extension and at University of Denver was my most recent class. Cool. So you're doing actual technology for companies that are doing boot camps through schools. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, my the team that I uh, that I oversee and manage is a, runs a slate of applications that's for all parts of the learning aspect. So uh, we build tools for instructors, we build tools for our students in our boot camps. Um, we integrate LMSs for our learning platforms. So everything from the student is already enrolled to the student graduating, my team plays a role in their software journey. Wow, very cool. Yeah, it's never a dull moment. I'm pretty awesome. So uh, what do you do for, for uh, fun outside of that? Obviously, if you're if you're teaching at nights too, then there's not a whole lot of room for that. But what's what's your idea of fun? Yeah, so I tend to run far away from technology for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do enjoy programming and, and, you know, tinkering around on my off time. Uh, I tend to be away from the house. So uh, hiking, outdoor activities. Uh, I'm a big cyclist and runner. Um I'm still trying to eventually chip away at hopefully running 50 half marathons in 50 states. I've oh, done wow. about nine states now. Uh, so yeah, I try to make up for all the sedentary sitting at the desk <laughs> by running myself until I can't run anymore. <laughs> cool. So, so do you uh, do you like competitive or are you just doing it like those, those half marathons just to do the half marathons? Yes. So my tagline is I don't run fast. I run far. <laughs> <laughs> So not, not competitively, but I, I definitely enjoy a lot of the uh, runs for fun and just to beat my, my own personal times. And then um, doing some t- team adventure races, uh, like there's a series called Ragnar, where it's a team of 12 split between two vans and you run 200 miles over 36 hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm out of breath after a mile and that's about, that's about as much as I can go. So that is super impressive. Yeah, I mean, those races is all about the team. Because <laughs> again, I run far, not fast. <laughs> so on the wrong team, I could be probably very disruptive to a group, but uh, it works out well. Very cool. So, uh, so tell us what was your kind of entry point into the idea of the Jamstack or into static sites or wherever you found your way into this cool community? Yeah. So I think the thing that hit me right away about Jamstack is that my first experience on the web, you know, was all static. Uh, back in about two thousand one, two thousand two, there was a popular platform called Gray Matter. Uh, written by this gentleman, uh, Noah Gray, and it was written in Perl, but it it would uh, take all your content as text files and all your comments and actually generate static output for your site. Um, 
So while the compilation step, because it would recompile your entire site. So if you had thousands of pages as a blog and you know hundreds or thousands of comments, it would take forever. But once it was done, you had this beautiful site that just ran. Um, it had the notion of templating. So it was like really one of the first uh, experiences I ever got of playing around with a static site uh, in any form. And so uh, jumping back into like the modern era, I think it was around 2013. Um, before then, I'd play around with Jekyll and Octopress for a couple years to replace the WordPress sites I'd been working on. And then I dove into Wintersmith and Blacksmith as like some of the first, like early Node.js uh, static site generators I worked on. So I'm curious real fast, because this was actually a conversation I had the other day about uh, Wintersmith and, and, and Metalsmith and all, all those kind of first node static site generators and kind of the idea of like, why didn't those take off? Whereas potentially like now we've got stuff like, you know, Elevendy kind of taking that role, but then on top of that, you know, obviously Gatsby and, and Nux and all that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like having used that, because I used it a little bit and it was over my head at the time, but like, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think the barrier to entry lowered in terms of the setup, right? So I, I would say the first time I, I encountered Wintersmith and Blacksmith and a couple of other of those types of sites, it was the same thing. I was like, all right, this seems like a lot of configuration. I got <laughs> these crazy gulp processes or yeah. some other build process where now, um, especially with the advent of Create React app and other tools, even in Angular and other ecosystems, it's much easier to get a common set of defaults that are a little bit opinionated, but enough that you don't have to mess with it to get started and you can kind of customize as you go. And I think that is what allowed Jekyll to take off when it first came out, was that outside of a few sensible uh, configurations in, in a YAML file, you could just write Markdown and run it as default. It took very little in the way of getting started with it. Yeah, yeah, the configuration is definitely was was a was a big pain. I mean, honestly, some days when you're just trying to work on a project real fast, it can still be a pain if you don't actually reach for one of these tools. Yeah, I mean, it's this is like the beauty of the the abstractions that we love building on top of, right? It's so yeah, I really think it was just a maturing of the Node ecosystem and also just now we're within arm's length of a tool in almost any ecosystem now, but especially within JavaScript. In fact, like the cool thing is like we're seeing projects coming up that are like refactoring Jekyll. Like uh, there's a uh, Bridgetown nowadays that is, you know, trying to say, all right, we need a modern Ruby static site generator. And Jekyll has just been around the, the block a few too many times. Yeah. And that's, and I, and I love to see it. Right. I, I think Jekyll for, you know, really brought static sites back into the forefront and, and also outside of purely technical circles you know, for other people to actually understand and care about it and see what the benefits were. So I think, you know, as we have these round robins of, hey, this community is pushing that community's ideas further and beyond, that who knows where we'll end up in 2025. It'll probably be something where we think <laughs> the page gets created and the site's updated in like nanoseconds. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a, a JavaScript library for uh, for reading uh, brain process. So That's who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm also curious. So, so you've been you've been doing static sites for a long time with with gray matter kind of being that 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 first entry point way back in the day. Uh, my first entry point was a little bit later, a few years after that, with um, movable type. Ooh, yes. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, <laughs> like obviously we're way better than those systems were back then. Because uh, I remember I had a blog that had thousands of posts uh, for a, for a newspaper I worked for, and it was like a 40 minute compilation step to to deal with that. Um, do you think 
do you think some of that that timing uh, was kind of the the downside to the static stuff? And is that is that why you think maybe we went dynamic for a number of years and only now coming back with the speed that we've got? Yeah, I, I do think it had a lot to do with um, the compilation stuff. When B2, which was like the precursor to WordPress first came out, right? Like it was competing with movable type and a couple others at the time, and those were winning out. But then once someone saw that, hey, you could install this on a server and click a button and now you have a blog and it starts up right away and you can add posts right away, I think that's where the the shine of the newness of this dynamic content sites came into play. Um, and then I think there was also the piece of, we didn't have, I think, as advanced ways generally available to structure content in static sites. Whereas WordPress made that a bit easier to reason about. So did tools like Drupal, where you could create structure around your content and understand like, what do I mean when I'm creating a blog post? What do I mean when I'm creating a static page? And I think movable type and those tools, as they moved along that over time, didn't have that really as well, along with the long compilation steps. Well, I know even like uh, later in the game with WordPress uh, at the agency I worked at, we used a a plugin called Advanced Custom Fields. Almost any WordPress site we built had that Mm -hmm. by default because that structured data was so important. And WordPress, I mean, out of the box, didn't give give you a whole lot of structured data. So I think that's an interesting thing as well, that that's, that's seeing a resurgence as well in terms of like, we want granularly structured data. Yeah, and especially with a lot of the headless, headless CMS tools out. Um, the awesome part is that there's a lot of different options that allow you to structure that content based on who's structuring it, right? So like with Sanity, you can reflect that in JavaScript files. Uh, with other tools, you reflect it in the CMS itself. So the accessibility of structuring that content is really available to whatever type role needs that level of uh, granularity to control it. So I think those tools also helped a lot. And, you know, even like the pushes that we've had for semantic web and semantic structuring of content, even in just markup files and talking about, uh, what was it, like micro formats and all these other things, like a lot of that has kind of pushed us to where we are today. Yeah, totally agree. So, uh, so we've mentioned a lot of different technologies. We've mentioned a lot of different things from, from honestly, the history of the past uh, almost 19 years now. Um, what, what's kind of your jam in the Jamstack? What's your favorite service or product? Or maybe it's just a philosophy or a framework. What, what are you digging on right now? Yeah, I think for me, it's just getting back to this, the simplicity of an index page on the web. Um, you know, like a lot of the things that we talked about, I, I that's what I enjoy most about the philosophies and the approaches of, of Jamstack. Um, you know, as an example, there was a client site I worked on back in 2008 for Fremont International, you know, a huge international chain of hotels. Every single page was its own index page. It was, its own, yeah, every single page was a folder with an index page in it. For every single locale language pair they supported, which was over 50. So at any given moment, I was SFTPing like hundreds of files. If we had to change a global header and it wasn't a server-side include, we had to change it on hundreds of pages. So I, I think just this approach that we can take these modern tools and still come out with the simplicity of just another static page is super awesome. Um, outside of that, I am a huge fan of Netlify. Um, we use it a lot at work too for like A-B testing and for launching a bunch of... Um, previews for our, for our deploys for some of our front-end applications that are built in React, uh, which allows us to quickly test for UX changes and things like that. So 
yeah, Netlify has been increasingly, I've been increasingly using a lot of the portfolio tools. Uh, so I, I dig it a lot for my personal blog and other things. Yeah, it's really hard to beat um, just the fact that it's all in one. Like, you know, you want, you want a mm -hmm. serverless function, no problem. You want forms, no problem. You want just simple deploy of an HTML page, no problem. Yeah, and I think also even with stuff like forms, right? I think that solves a problem too that we had back in the movable type and other eras. And also in the first wave of static blogs where we had to rely on Discuss or all these other external tools to get comments and then inject it back into our sites. Now we have the full control of being able to build what we want and or integrate suites like, I know uh, Gatsby Studio is like kind of building up as well. Um, Vercel's got a great, awesome set of tools with now. Uh, or I guess they call that Marcel now as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, with these all-in-one suites that are leveraging these other platforms, they're also making it easier for us to deal with Lambda without having to jump into the AWS oh, world yeah. and learn about security groups and everything else. So it's pretty awesome. I had never touched a, a serverless function until Netlify rolled out their functions, uh, just because it was just too big a pain to go into the, into the GUI interface and deal with all of that nonsense. And I was like, oh... Have it in your GitHub repository, no problem. Yeah, just that that whole, just put it in a in a single folder, let us know what folder it is, and it pulls up. I wish we had that when Lambda was first being talked about, because that probably would have gotten a lot more adoption. Yeah, we'd probably be two or three years ahead of where we're at right now. Yeah, uh, it, it's because I, I tried Lambda once before that, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it took me this long, a few years before, and I just started playing with Netlify functions maybe like two weeks ago. So... And I, and I love how simple it is. Yeah, you can just, a hello world example takes, you know, five minutes to get up and running. It's, it's beautiful. So uh, so how are you using these kind of Jamstack philosophies uh, at work, you know, with all these boot camps? And also, you know, personally, you mentioned your your blog, but uh, but kind of run us through what you're, what you're using right now and, and how things are going for you. Cool, yeah. So, um, so at a previous job, we're using a lot of static page generation for our marketing site and letting that be cached in our system so that our marketing site was lightning fast. It was all um, static markup. And then we just use the APIs for our backend financial platforms to integrate with authentication, integrate stock tickers, all those types of things. Um, so what it enabled us to do was to quickly iterate on our marketing pages and let the actual full uh, single page application stay on its own structure. And then it allows us to play with things like mono repos, which allowed us to have like share the common elements between all the different sites, but split the architectures where needed. At my current role, one of our student facing platforms, uh, we use the branch preview feature uh, with Netlify to static generate our, our sites. And that's probably saved us, I can't even tell you how many hours from our old QA process to now, and has made it so much easier to be able to switch between branches, change, see the changes, see what changes look like in an integration branch before we actually roll that in the master and release it. So that's been super awesome. And then personally, um, so I do use Sanity uh, IO for their uh, headless CMS solution. I've really enjoyed having a clean interface to go in and write, push a button to save it, and then push another button and it goes off to the races to build everything. And so just this notion of my site gets statically regenerated whenever I want it to be, like it doesn't have to be recomp recompiled unless I push that button. Also gives me an interesting level of control over content publishing that I didn't have before, right? Instead of me worrying about some systems timing, I can just say, all right, I release pages every Friday, but I can create my own editorial process around that before we statically build that site into production. So that's been super awesome for me as well. 
Very cool. Yeah, the, the whole idea of an editorial process and, and all that is definitely something that, that is super powerful when it comes to, especially like you, like you mentioned, the, the deploy previews and all that. Like you can send it, you can send preview links out to like get feedback on a post before you launch it. Yeah, and it makes, and it also makes code reviews uh, much more accessible and less uh, obstructive, right? So if your reviews are really going to be around the functionality of the code, you can, instead of having to pull it down, you can review the code within GitHub, which is expanded their like code review tools a lot and just the ease of reviewing code in the site. But then you have the fully launched version on that deploy branch, uh, which is, again, just makes that much easier. And then it allows you to do things like, hey, I have a, a similar branch that we can wire up for the API so we can test any API changes. It's just, it's just being able to split concerns where you need to at different parts of the process is pretty solid yeah so uh out of curiosity since uh since you're doing tech for a lot of these boot camps and you're and you're teaching web development are these things being taught uh in the boot camps and in the classes or is it more traditional dev and then oh by the way don't forget there's this new thing coming out too so i think there's a mix uh for our classes in particular we do start with the static approach by telling them all about github pages and getting them used to that for their first set of sites so um, for, I could say probably their first 10 to 12 weeks, every homework, every page, every project they do is being deployed in GitHub pages statically. And then we make the connection to them of the other tools later in the course, but we never actually get to come back and say, all right, you can launch here. But when they get to their second or like end of class project, we have a lot of our students who end up deploying on Netlify or using like uh, Firebase hosting or even using Heroku and like static generating the pages and then just having it hosted via a static folder. Um, so some of the students end up m deeper in Jamstack because of their own research, but they definitely get that hint of that throughout the course um, by talking about GitHub pages and talking about what that means and what Jamstack will be for them. All right. Well, so so let's talk about actual music now. What's your actual jam? What are you listening to? What's in your headphones on a daily basis? All right. So my favorite song of all time is Booty Collins' I'd Rather Be With You. Ooh. It's just something about that intro. Toot, 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 toot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hear that anywhere. I stop and I just end up swaying slowly. <laughs> nice. Um, as far as songs that I've been listening to, like uh, for the last few months, uh, there's an artist by the name of Karen Harding who uh, had some some really nice like deep house hits and one is called say something and it's just a really kind of upbeat quick tempo song that i hear it and it's like okay i'm ready for the gym mm -hmm. or i hear it and i'm ready for like three hours of coding or i hear it and i'm like all right 30 more minutes and i'll get on my live stream yeah. like it, it just it's my musical red bull it's all i, I love that song so, uh, so also, what you know, what are you, uh, what are you looking to promote right now? What, what do you want to get out to the Jamstack community? You know, what, what are you doing that you want to get out there? Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, uh, which we're we're both members of, uh, is the awesome Media Developer Experts community. Um, yeah, we definitely want to make sure folks understand that they could join the, the Discord, even if they're not an expert. Come join the community, talk about media, especially now that we are moving with heavy Jamstack and we're and that's gaining a lot of steam that media handling and media expertise is going to be much more important um, because now image sizes matter when everything else on your page is code split and, and so much smaller. Um, so now we need like a renewed focus on media. Uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, I've joined and tossed my hat into the uh, Twitch arena. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I'm sticking and gearing to towards really early stage to mid-level engineering. Um, so we'll talk about a lot of topics. Um, I've been 
working on a uh, mood tracking site application, just giving everyone a piece of functionality every week that we work on it and on the stream. Uh, so that's been pretty awesome. So if you want to give a kid a follow or come check it out, <laughs> it's Jason J. Phillips. We'll make sure we give y'all some notes. But uh, yeah, that's that's the things I've been up to recently that I, I definitely uh, want to get out there. Very cool. And I, I, lo- I love the live streaming community. I, I've been a part of it for, for a couple months now, and it's just absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm glad that you're a part of it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go click that uh, that little heart button here in a couple minutes. Yeah, I definitely need to swing by here. There's a few others too. Uh, I've, I've, I've loved seeing the individuality amongst everyone Yeah. when we're all talking about similar topics. Um, it just makes that, that ecosystem and that, and that community so vibrant. Um, and folks are so super supportive. Um, it's like, if you're looking for like environments to either learn code or to even stream code yourself, um, live streaming, especially on communities like Twitch. And I think there's some folks doing it on Mixer as well. It's, it's a, it's a good place to start and kind of get away from some of the toxicity you might see in other platforms. I don't doubt that it ends up on these platforms as well, but the communities right now are just so helping inclusive and like internally boosting each other which is super dope. I love that like there's so little judgment that happens. Like I'm not always the best like hardcore programmer and I've actually had chat debug my code for me. It was great. It was like a beautiful moment. Yeah, I think the thing I love about that is that for my former students, I I always model for them a lot that, you know, no matter how experienced you are, you're going to make, you're going to make errors. You're going to have bugs, right? The, the, the point is for us to kind of learn from those and not repeat it the same way, right? And so mm-hmm. I do love that there's this freedom to just be yourself as an engineer on a live stream. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've, I've definitely had a moment where we were sitting there for 20 minutes trying to figure out why something wasn't working. And it literally was, I referred to the model in my code wrong. And I was like, yeah. thanks. <laughs> That's 20 minutes of me sweating and getting frustrated for no reason. <laughs> And there is sweat involved. It, it it's it's it can be nerve wracking in front of a in front of a crowd. Yeah, but it's 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 a, it's a it's a weird kind of scary freedom, <laughs> which, which some people are like, Jason, I don't get it. I'm like, I I know, but there's just something also empowering when people do come in a chat and you know there's a message of support or a message of, hey, you missed something. Like just that automatic like leading to help is super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's just like you know sitting in a room with you know with other developers thinking through a problem. It can be just super helpful just to talk to somebody about it, and even if that somebody can't talk back. Yeah, and it's and, and the community also isn't looking for like the super like wonderkind. I've been programming since I was two, mm-hmm. so I never write a bug in my C sharp. Right? It's <laughs> a lot of folks are just looking for folks who look like them or sound like them or have life experiences like them. And actually be able to see them writing code. And I think that's super empowering for all of us to play a role in because we don't know who we're inspiring next or who just needed that little bit of validation of, oh, Brian talked about his story. I, I, I relate to Brian's story. I could do this, right? And th- that for me is like the, the main like just thing that pulls me into education and into like live streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or it's like, Hey, you know, you know, Brian spent 20 minutes finding a typo in his code. I've done that like five times. Maybe I am a programmer. Right. Or someone's like, Oh, I'm not a real programmer, but I'm building a tool to, and this is a real thing that happened. I'm building a tool to (laughs) screenshot my screen 
use OCR to look at my code and then tell me if there's better ways to write those functions. <laughs> like, and you think you're not a real programmer? Get out of here. Yeah. You leave my chat right now. <laughs> I'm like, man, you should get on stream and I'm going to follow you. I'm nervous now. <laughs> I'm not a programmer, but I wrote this entire thing that honestly I couldn't do. So that's, that's super impressive. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just, it's, it's been amazing. So yeah. Um, for folks out there, in the, especially in the Jamstack community, if you're looking to do that, everybody's voice is needed. Um, you know, yeah. streamers watch each other. People who watch each other stream. It's a super awesome thing. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to be on the show with us today and to share your thoughts and experience. So uh, keep doing amazing things on the web and in the Jamstack. Right. Appreciate you. I love what you're doing here. And thanks for having me on the show. Hey everyone, it's Brian again. I want to thank Jason again for being on the show, and I want to take a moment to thank you, our listeners. Community is one of the many things that makes the Jamstack shine, and you all keep me coming back week after week. Before we get to our sponsor, be sure to like, heart, star, favorite, or whatever in your podcast app of choice, and spread the word about the amazing people doing awesome stuff in our community. And now for our sponsor. If you listen to season one, you're probably aware of Take Shape by now. But as a reminder, TakeShape is a content platform for the Jamstack. TakeShape has a headless content management system, an easy-to-use GraphQL API, a static site generator, and an amazing new product called Mesh, a service that can tie together multiple APIs into their handy GraphQL interface. If you're doing anything with content on the Jamstack, be sure to check them out at takeshape.io slash that's my Jamstack. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for the next awesome episode.